Wings of Chaos. Since this is a longer chapter, I have broken it into two parts. This is Chapter 34, Part B, The Sudden Fall. something moving through the fog, Ozerin whispered, waking them. What? Keelan murmured sleepily. It's cold. That's nice, Shale added groggily, then rolled over and went back to sleep. As she did, she heard Ozerin mutter, Everence didn't care either. Honestly, you people. Keelan's sleep was filled with visions. He was thirteen. He was standing in the forest, and the scene seemed to shift before him, fading in and out of memories. The trees rustled in the breeze, and he sat with his friends as they laughed. He stood with his old teacher, the elven prince. They were both mounted on horses. Then they were swinging wooden swords at one another, practicing their steps. He felt a calmness fill him, and the dreams faded. Then he was standing in blackness, there was nothing except the sound of his own breathing. A wall of fire erupted in front of him, exploding in a burst of blinding light. He was encircled in flames that licked hundreds of feet in the air. Some of the fire folded back into a hundred-foot-tall figure made entirely of flames. The figure sat, and a chair of fire appeared beneath it. It looked down at Keelan and spoke in a rumbling, primordial voice. "'Well done, my little phoenix.' These wizards have violated my name for too long. I trust in you. Go now. Keep doing what you're doing. Show the world the purifying power of our flame. Our flame. Yes, Kossuth, Helen thought. The flaming face seemed to smile, and the dream faded. Ozerin woke Shale for her watch, and she climbed the stairs, wrapped in Resmir's leather cloak. She went up to the tower and peered out over the expansive courtyard, which was shrouded in fog. An unnatural chill filled the castle like a disease. She jumped when she heard Adra's voice. She hadn't noticed the elf was sleeping in the tower. I can tell you felt great loss, she said, and gave a sad smile. I have, Shale admitted, feeling a lump in her throat. We all have, she said quietly. Who did you lose? Adra reached into her cloak and pulled out a large, crumpled brown feather. This was Nero. I raised him, fought with him. Shale squinted at the elf and saw something she hadn't noticed before. You're a follower of Guerin. Adra dipped her head. That blade you carry? She pointed at Shale's back, where her moon blade was sheathed. Wherein must really trust you. I thought I was worthy to carry it once, Shale told her. But now I'm not so sure. I'm not the ranger I was. She seemed nervous, hopeful. I've heard he can bring back the things we love. Shale reached into her pocket and pulled out the tied bit of fur she'd cut from Trigger's tail. Think he can bring back something that's died? I've heard of a place... Adra told her, tucking the feather away. A small forest. The last resting place of Guerin. 
I planned to go there before I was captured. Shale pressed the bit of fur to her chest, and the two rangers shared a look. Will you take me there? Of course, Adra said. Shale looked back over the foggy courtyard, feeling suddenly hopeful. Without my fox, I have nothing left to live for, she said. No one else to love. Adra stepped away and returned to her bedroll. Shale stood and waited out her watch, then woke Philip and went back to Resmere's chambers to sleep, allowing the warmth to take hold. Ozerin's sleep was not made for rest either. He stood in a low-lit, familiar forest of dead trees. The sky was dotted with sparse stars, and there was a winding dirt path. Without thinking, he walked the path, and his steps seemed to bring him further than they had before. Ghostly apparitions passed him in a blur, half-formed and noiseless as they moved swiftly by, all headed in the same direction. His head snapped back and forth as he watched them. Ahead of him, the trees cleared, and a fortress appeared in the distance. Then, a new apparition stopped in front of him and formed into something solid. The figure was tall, elven, wrinkled. He had a bald head, but in his pointed ears were jewels. He was cloaked in black, and at his belt was a dark flail. He looked Ozerin up and down. The queen wants to see you, he said. Follow me. Ozerin didn't recognize the elf, but walked after him. As they continued toward the fortress, some of the ghosts crossed their path, but the elf paid them no mind. Some followed them for a while, then drifted away. There were men and women of all ages. Some were elves, half-elves, humans, dwarves, people of every race and gender. The elf noticed Ozerin staring at them and halted. This is where the departed come to find their way. It is our job to guide them home. He turned then and continued walking. Come, our queen seeks an audience with her new champion. There will be tests. Ozerin finally found his voice. That's not very reassuring, he said uncomfortably, the fortress looming closely now. Who decides where the souls go? The souls are all destined to be judged in the next plane. Every soul is tethered to the wheel. We're born, we die. He gestured to some of the souls surrounding the walls, and Ozerin noticed pale, ghostly umbilical cords hooked to the back of their necks. The cords all came from the fortress. They were there for a moment, then flickered out of his vision. His glimpse of it was gone. That is what ties us to the plains, the elf explained. It keeps the world tethered. They silently walked beside one another for a minute, before they reached the massive black iron gates, which opened for them without prompt. The fortress itself was made of sharp, dangerous stones. It was not a welcoming sight. They came to a large door, and the elf threw it open and pointed inside. In, he commanded. There was only inky blackness. Ozern glanced at the elf uncertainly. This is where she's called you, he said. Ozern hesitantly touched the darkness with his hand, and it instantly vanished. He retracted it, and it reappeared in front of him. Where does this lead? he asked. It leads to her. Stealing himself, he stepped through. He looked up and saw an entryway lit by pale, whitish lanterns that seemed to burn without flame. 
Within, more spirits milled around. Now he could clearly see the cords hooked to the base of their heads, all converging upward into the ceiling. He looked up and saw stairs to a second level. A few of the ghostly figures looked terrified or unsure as they drifted by. From the distance, he could hear wailing cries and mournful shouts. The elf said, This is where mortals go to die. Why do all of them look so tormented? Ozerin asked softly. He sighed, drawing his black cloak closer to himself. It's not possible for mortals to know where they go when they die. Even you seeing this has caused your connection to fade. Ozerin looked up and saw a cord extending from his own spine and up into the ceiling. He grabbed for it, and his hand passed through. It flickered, as though dying. What happens if the cord is severed? If the cord is broken, you are no longer part of the wheel. Without that, you cannot return to the Astral Sea when you die. You cannot be reborn. The elf started up the stairs, and Ozerin followed. This is your first test, and as a champion of the Raven Queen, your cord will be broken. They continued up the stairs with soft footfalls. What will happen with my soul when I die? Ozerin finally asked. The elf gave him a sideways look. That is for the Raven Queen to decide. At the top of the stairs, there was a door. He put a hand on it and turned to Ozerin. If you go through this door, you will see her. But you will also lose your connection completely. This is your chance to turn back, he warned. Ozerin drew in a breath and stared at the door. The queen has seen something in you, the elf said. She's called you. What happens if I don't go in? He finally asked. The elf dipped his head. She is not unmerciful. She understands this is a hard step for mortals to take. But I know that if you decide to enter, you will become stronger. As the queen's chosen, you will be greatly rewarded. Where did Resmia turn away? The elf smiled. I say, when you go in, there's no turning back. But that's not the case. One person has done just that, with the help of another powerful god. Ozerin stared at him, then pressed his hand to the door, pushed it open, and stepped through. More blackness. He took a few steps forward and could hear things moving in the darkness around him. A creature entered his vision. Pale skin pulled taut over bone, sunken eyes, completely white and blind, and arms turned to sharp claws. It looked back at him, and he felt a sense of loss. Sudden regret pulled at his stomach as he felt himself moving into nothingness. Is this what his life had been leading to all along? He'd always excelled, pushing himself to higher learning. First, he'd been a mercenary, fighting and serving others in wars that weren't his. Then, a scholar, learning everything he could from the pages of books. Now, he told himself, was his chance to fight for a nobler cause, for a calling higher than his own. He clenched his fists and kept walking, and the figure passed out of his vision. He felt himself pulled further along the path. Now he saw beady-eyed creatures, their backs hunched and pained, their skin brownish and decaying. One creature had a rope attached to a severed arm, and dragging at the end of the rope was its hand. He sensed incredible loneliness in them. 
To be immortal was to be without friends. There would be no connection for him to mortals if he carried on. He would be alone. But he could guard souls through their journeys. He could protect his friends from the darkness of the world. He would see them go through their mortal cycle, yes. But he would be there for many lifetimes. He could meet others. He could help them, too. He continued forward, and the scene shifted. Small, spiny creatures with leathery red skin and wide mouths, filled with dozens of sharp teeth, were crawling about at his feet. They hissed and growled, moving in restless circles. He felt an overwhelming anger at the injustice of it all. He looked around and he could suddenly see again the many souls passing through the dead forest around the fortress. Many were young. Some were clutching each other fearfully, looking desperately lost. If not for the mysterious gift the queen had bestowed on him, he might have ended up like any one of these souls, their lives shortened before their time. What separated him from them? Nothing separated him from them. He was the same if not for the queen. She gave him his strength. He pushed ahead. He entered a large chamber. At the end was a throne with a woman seated at it. He approached, his footsteps echoing eerily in his wake. He reached the foot of the throne and saw the woman was pale, elven, and not fully there. When he tried to focus on aspects of her, they seemed to flitter away, then reform. At her feet was a writhing mass of black feathers, constantly churning as though trying to stretch out to her. On her lap, she held a sword, and Ozrin recognized it as Resmir's. She inclined her head with a grim smile. Congratulations, Ozerin. The queen's voice was familiar and deep. You're one of mine now. You now live to help with the turning of the wheel. She shifted on her throne, and more of her form fluttered, then reformed. We deal in dark things. We must not latch onto the darkness itself, however. We are apart from it. You must remember that. He felt a tug on the back of his neck and looked up as his cord pulled away and vanished. He felt strange, but not unwell. She spoke again. My hexblades were once my greatest warriors. They protected me as I built my empire and formed myself a place amongst the other gods. They were, regrettably, wiped out. But... Now, she smiled again, the first of them is back. I'm the first, Ozerin asked. The queen's eyes flashed with a hint of darkness, and her grip tightened on the hilt of Resmir's sword. You are now. The other betrayed me. She held up the blade to him and said, This is now yours. Ozerin stared. I, I have one already he managed to say. Take them both, and find the next who is worthy, and shares your desire to make this world better. This, she held his gaze, is your first task. There should always be three. The warlock took the sword and knelt at her feet, ignoring the churning mass of black wings, and turned his gaze back to hers. Thank you, my lady, he said humbly. She seemed amused at his expression. Do you have any more questions for me, Ozerin? 
This time, he didn't hesitate. What happened to our giant friend? There were two souls in the castle, but I think one left. She leaned back. The Raven Queen's dark eyes seemed to look at something far off. She watched for a while, then returned. One is trying to get to this place, but the other is stuck. Ozerin dipped his head. I will try to help. She arched an eyebrow. Anything else? He thought. What will happen when I die? Your soul, she said wistfully, will go into the sword and live on. They were made from their previous owners. It's the price we must pay for controlling the wheel, since we can't be a part of it. Will I be able to connect and pass on the knowledge and skills I acquired during my life? Yes. Just as you will learn and grow with your blade, and soon acquire the knowledge and skills from the ones who wielded it before you. He tried to comprehend that, and his gaze drifted down to the black wings. Suddenly, he was plummeted into darkness and awoke with a gasp. He sat up and saw Resmir's blade lying next to his own. He reached for them both, and they vanished, but he knew he could call them back when he needed. Shale woke hours later with a dull headache, but felt more rested than she had in ages. She pulled off the covers and saw Keelan and Whisper were still asleep. She stretched, cracking her neck and drawing the leather cloak back around her. The last time they properly slept had been in Philip's sister's lodge. She could hardly believe how much had happened since then. Reverence wandered in to wake them and gave her a nod as she passed him on the stairs. She climbed to the top tower and saw Philip and Adra were already up and talking. The elf was quiet and withdrawn, but Philip made up for it with his usual cheeriness. Shale was surprised to see that he didn't seem to be flirting with the elf. Perhaps something had happened to him during that battle. They had all nearly died, after all. She gave them both a polite smile, then looked down on the courtyard. It was still foggy. We need to kill that dragon, Ozerin said seriously, stepping up beside her. She looked over at him and crossed her arms. Agreed. Do you still have that vial of oil I gave you? He asked. The one from the swamp castle? She dug into her pack and pulled it up from the very bottom. That's oil of etherealness, he explained. If you put it on your skin, it will change you, momentarily, into a spirit. You can pass through the castle unhindered, and unseen by any living creature. Shale smirked, clutching the vial in her fist. I can look through all the tunnels and find out exactly how to get to that dragon. Before the warlock could say anything else, Shale rushed from the room. been listening to Wings of Chaos, based on the Horde of the Dragon Queen D&D campaign. For more stories written by me, visit the link in the show notes.